welcome to another Aramont podcast. This is your host, Nick DeFord. And today we're continuing our series of interviewing our brand new artists in residence here at Aramont School of Arts and Crafts. And today we're going to be talking to Lena Schmidt. Lena is a painter, and that's what we spend most of the podcast talking about, her being a painter. But at Aramont, she's working in silk painting, which is a process that we actually teach classes at at Aramont. We're holding a conference later in this year, the Silk Painters International Conference. And because of that, we spend a lot of time talking about how do you define the things that you make? What audience are you trying to reach? The labels that we give the objects that we make. And I want to spend a lot of the wrap-up at the end talking more about that because I think it's an important conversation and one that I have a lot being the program director at Aramont. But even more exciting than having a conversation about craft and art is having a conversation about science and science fiction. The themes that Lena thinks about when she's making her silk paintings are really deep topics. Space, time, and our relationship to those. So I really enjoy having those types of conversations with artists where we can talk more about What's going on inside people's heads when they're being creative, uh, in addition to the craft itself? So please help me welcome Lena Schmidt. I'm a painter, and I make a lot of different work, but I think of it all under the umbrella of painting. Um, right now, I am making paintings on silk, but historically I've worked mostly on paper. Um, and I also, my work has like always been and will continue to be really informed by drawing and mark making. Um, and the silk paintings, I've been working on and off, uh, on for like the past almost three years. And that has a huge learning curve to it. Um, it's taken me a long time to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I'm still really, I still feel like a, a novice with the material, which is exciting. Like, cause it means I'm always interested. I'm always learning new things. Um, but it's also really challenging. And I think that the more, like, the more I have been developing the paintings on silk, the kind of, the thread that has run through my work conceptually uh, for the past like 10 years has been time and different ways that time is addressed. And when I was younger, I was making these like big physical kind of abex informed uh, pieces. And then, uh, you know, I, I started having some really serious health problems that kept me from making pieces like that. And sort of started challenging me to think about like, okay, how does the, how can I manifest a body in a different way? And also then how, how is, you know, time being experienced in a body, you know, in those kind of early works of mine, I was really interested in like an imprint of a presence, like an immediacy of a presence, an immediacy of a, the speed of certain marks. And then as my body changed and my work changed, I started thinking more about like, 
how does time, how do we experience time inside of a body? How do we experience it inside of a landscape? And how are, how, how can painting like not only be, uh, not only communicate like my process of that experience, but also be like a visual representation of it. Um, there, there's yeah. so, so much there I feel like I want to talk about. And so <laughs> I'm going to talk about it one at a time. And one yeah. of them is just what you said about thinking about your body in response to the object that you're making. And you talked about being sort of a large, you know, abstract expressionist painter. I would imagine that that's going to be a very, that, that in itself in, in, a, in a method of making is very different from working vertically on the wall in this and then going to silk painting which is so often horizontally talk a little bit about what that change was like from traditional painting i i, imagine well, getting... I mean yeah go ahead sorry um like i've always worked i have always actually worked horizontally mm. i and i kind of like skipped over or not skipped over but i have never been like a i've never really worked on canvas for any long period of time, um, you know, other than taking a few classes in undergraduate. And I've always worked horizontally. I used to work, and I worked for many years, like a decade on the floor, um, which is like a very bodily experience because I was standing inside of the pieces that I was making. Right. Um, and then as things started to change, I also like became, I don't know if it was I became less interested in it or it just wasn't coming in the same way that it used to where I used to work like entirely improvisationally and for me I mean I know for some people like they can work their whole career that way and maybe I'll return to it at another point but for me I came I like really came up against like these are the just my own limitations in that where like I wasn't really getting anywhere and so then I made a change to working from um, working from like drawings that I had made um, as like a loose inspiration for the pieces. But even then, when I was making the mono prints, which is when that started happening, I was still working on the floor, uh, and I can no longer. My physical therapist like made me promise I would no longer make work on the floor, which is a good thing for my body. Um, and so I work like on um, like a tabletop or on this uh, like stretcher table that I built that's back there, which is like just an elevated silk panel stretched. How did you learn how to silk paint? Did you teach yourself or did you find classes? No, I taught myself and I started off like with just tiny little baby steps. Uh, I started off using, I think it's called Dynaflow, which is this product that Jacquard makes. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a paint, but it really has the feel of a dye, but you don't have to like set it in the same kind of way. So I started making stuff with that a little bit. And then I put it aside because I realized actually this is too much for me to learn right now because I had some other work going on that I really needed to finish. And then when I came back to it, I just like um, bought a bunch of different kinds of dyes, um, bought a couple different books and did a lot of experiments. And I, 
now at this point, I would like love to pick someone's brain who uh, has been, you know, working with dyes on silk for a long period of time. But I'm kind of, I'm glad that I taught myself it at the beginning because I, the things that I was trying to figure out how to do aren't really things that I have seen in other silk paintings and aren't really things that silk is supposed to do, right? Like I'm really trying to get these like textures and uh, you know, like a, a really intense, like light dark contrast, just because that is how my um, work has you know looked before and working also historically largely in black and white, like those are things that I'm gravitating so even when I'm using color in my practice, I'm still looking for those things, but like all the ways that I found of doing them are not ways, with the exception of maybe one, are not ways that I like um, sourced from a book or from like reading about it online. Um, so yeah, I taught myself and definitely, I, you know, Dharma, which is this company that I order like all my materials. From, they have really good, very straightforward sort of step tutorials about how to not like how to set your dyes and how to like not rinse them all out. And also in their tutorials, it also always says uh, you're going to have to experiment a lot. And this is not a precise. Uh, this is not a precise thing. Well, I don't even know if we've talked about it yet. Have we talked about that? very fortuitous you're going to be an artist in residence this year because we're hosting now for the third 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 time the silk painters international conference this fall yeah you mentioned that and i'm really excited to like get to see the work and hopefully also get to meet some people who have been using these materials for a long period of time well yeah i was going to say it's it, it, having those brain picking conversations is really going to be applicable this fall but you know i also really liked what you said about you're making these silk paintings under the umbrella is, is the term that you use, the umbrella of, of painting traditional, the context of painting. And I always have thought about that a lot because people want to have conversations about art versus craft and label versus label. And I right. often find that labels are like, well, this is going to be an, a metaphor that's not apt. Well, no, it is apt because we have Netflix. I was I always used to use the metaphor of going into a, um, movie rental place and there being genres and genres were there to help you find a context for the movie that you want to watch right and so labels are are helpful because they're able to say i want to watch this movie under the context of this genre i want to watch jaws under the context of horror not necessarily you know under sea movies or or i want to watch <laughs> I want to watch Casablanca under the, the context of a love movie, not necessarily under the context of a war movie, because it's both. Right. Um, so what do you want when you are making uh, your silk paintings under the context of, say, or the umbrella of painting versus fiber arts, what do you want your viewer to take from that? How do you want your viewer to approach your work with this umbrella uh, over it? I see them as paintings. I'm a painter they there's a you know there's a long history of the intertwined worlds of i mean a painting anyways is a is traditionally a painting on a piece of fabric correct uh, yeah. 
so they're not you know totally unrelated uh and i'm using the same kind of wheelhouse that i always have i definitely don't think of myself as a fiber artist and i i'm loving making these silk paintings i'm kind of always changing my practice so who knows what i'll be making in five years i think i'll always be making under the umbrella of painting Painting is this super broad term. I had a professor, or was like a visiting, which also now is an outda a totally outdated idea, but it was an undergraduate, and it was a visiting critic who had come and said, like, if it's on the wall, it's a painting. Hmm. And now it's kind of like, well, if it's on the wall or on the floor, it's a painting. <laughs> uh, but like, he was just like, kind of get rid of the other qualifiers. Even like, there, I'm like, well, on the wall or on the floor with, with NFTs being a thing now, if it's just, it doesn't even have to exist, right? Right. I mean, I still don't, as do any of us, like really fully understand. No. And also. Nobody understands that. <laughs> like, I basically gave up on trying to understand uh, what they are beyond a real cursory sense. Um, and I'm sure this is not entirely the case, but you know, like the guy who sold his work for like 70 million or something, it's bad. If you if you look at the actual pieces, they're terrible. And so I was like, well, this is not something at the moment that I need to be like super concerned about. I feel like that's a pretty good segue into one topic or theme or subject that is difficult to wrap one's mind around into another topic, which is you said that your work is about time. I feel I feel like time is is a subject matter that is difficult to wrap one's mind around so tell us a little bit more about how you think about time how that influences your work and maybe even some when you're thinking about time what do you get for inspiration do you read specific books or what do you think about when you're thinking about this really big abstract right. topic um it has changed over the years um and i like i'm really thinking now about time as a physical force. And in terms of, of both its actual physics, as well as I can understand its physics, uh, and its poetics. And I'm often considering time, like I think a lot about, and something that I want my, it to be present in my pieces is this concept of like a slow change. You can't really tell if they're coming together or if they're breaking apart, but there's a, this, transition moment. And when I think about, I'm like trying to make connections between the way I've experienced change inside my own body to the way that you experience change in a landscape or the way that the landscape experiences a change, um, like a slow change. <laughs> and, and then also the way that change and moments of shift happen in outer space. And I have been reading for the past few years, um, kind of like reading and thinking about it in terms of like, I, I really like science fiction um, and uh, the book series, I think it's, the series is called like The Dark Forest, but I always call it Three Body Problem. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. So it's a really awesome trilogy. It had these, kind of uh, really interesting ideas that I was taking from it. Um, and also like 
it's a very physics heavy um, science fiction series. So even though there's all this imaginative, um, imaginative kind of ideas about, you know, what is possible, there's, it's also kind of grounded in actual physics. Um, and then I have been reading some theoretical physics, which mostly I'm only understanding, I don't have a math background, I'm only understanding like through these like poetic ideas. And there's so many poetic ideas inside of physics um, that you don't really have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to have like be a trained mathematician or a trained scientist to understand. Um, but I did, one of the things, one of like the really kind of pinpoint things that um, helped shoot me along on this path and kind of expand the ways I was thinking about things. I was listening to this podcast, um, maybe, I think it was when I was at Wasaic, um, which is an artist residency in New York. And when I was really starting to investigate how to make these silk paintings, and I was listening to this, this podcast that was talking about, um, why do I always forget the name of it? But the the things that were sent out, like the Carl Sagan, with is it the Voyager? Yeah, the Voyager with all the little yeah. with the golden disc on it with all the information and yeah. yeah. So and they've been, you know, on their way out. <laughs> for a super long time. And they basically like hadn't left this, this bubble. And then in 2018, it finally did. And they realized it because like the way they know it left is because the, they were receiving different information back from it about the particle density. Um, so like the density of stuff that was in the air and the wind speed. And the way it was described um, and this thing that I was listening to was that it isn't in this totally other place yet. It's in this like kind of edge that has a, that has its own particular um, hallmarks and territory. And it could be traveling there for an incredibly long time. And so I just thought like to, to me, that really kind of blew my mind where I was like, oh, change and the edges of things are like an entire experience inside of themselves. And my whole interest in time is not entirely related to like living in a body that has experienced time in some ways that a lot of people only experience them when they're older, just in terms of like the kind of like limitations that I can live with. But that made me think about, it just expanded my ideas of what, how to conceptualize of change and place and when things happen and when they don't and how we understand them. That's so interesting. You know, I feel like that artists, I myself, have often used, you know, the term, you know, liminal space before that, that, that space of change. And we tend to think of it as this really thin boundary, but. Right you expand that into the universe and the Voyager is in this liminal space that's probably it's gonna live in for decades, longer, that the edges between our galaxy or our solar system and other spaces are so big. Yeah. 
that that boundary isn't a thin line. It, it is a thin line. In, 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 in the scope of things, it is a very thin line. But for us, it's a very, very long period of change. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about reading physics and, you know, digging the poetics out of it. I think about that a lot when people go to art museums and they're not art majors or art historians. How do they connect to the art that is sometimes a lot of the times in these museums, the art is important because of its, con again, the context, the umbrella. Right. This painting is important because it marked some sort of shift in, in the way that people paint. And so when people approach your work in the gallery, if they have experience either painting or they have their experience in silk painting or whatever, what is it that you hope that the viewers get from your pieces regardless of their own background? Uh, the poetic yeah. piece that you want people to take away? Um, well, one, I'm always trying to make things that are like really visually rich. Um, that is a priority I have for my, I'd like to make things that people can look at for a long time, that is satisfying to look at for a long time. Um, and that's just kind of a baseline priority I've always had, like that there will be rich things to view. Um, and I think that something I'm hoping that a anybody from, you know, somebody who has a lot of experience in viewing artwork or contextualizing it to somebody who's maybe more of a novice or just has a casual interest is going to get an experience of like, that they know there are these kind of nearly recognizable things in my work you know you can look at it and you say okay these are like eyes or these are like body bodily openings or this is like a waterfall or this is you know this feels like this gravitational force that's pulling you in and I would like people to respond to them with a feeling about their own body right I'm not saying like it's supposed to place you inside of your body or it's supposed to place you outside of your body, but this relationship, that is something that's important to me. Uh, and, and I think that they do that. Uh, and I also think that the silk pieces do that maybe even more effectively because they kind of have a different character to them depending on the way they're displayed than a piece that is um, hung flat against the wall, right? They move and they change in their appearance depending on how the light is passing through them. So they kind of have a different character and feel to them. Like, I think they're a little more accessible, uh, which is something that I like about them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that silk paintings, especially hung, you know, they're very much more object-based versus stretched canvas paintings, which are supposedly a window, right? Sometimes not always an object. Um, I want to switch the conversation. You mentioned Lasaic in the residency, and of course, as this podcast will air, you will be in the Aeromont Artisan Residency. Talk a little bit about previous residency experiences, what you've gained from those. What you're looking forward to when starting the Aeromont Artist in Residency and how residencies can help artists, you know, find that next step. Um, 
I've gotten a ton out of the artist residencies that I've been to. And I was actually just thinking, because I went to this uh, one really wonderful artist residency um, in Maine called the Tides Institute. And when I was there a couple years ago, um, I met a, a guy who, um, he was starting a print shop there. Um, and he was a, a master printmaker, but he also happened to be a, um, he'd also gone to school to study physics, like he had a master's in physics. So he like gave me this gift of all this, these really approachable readings. He had like a whole library of books right there that uh, was super helpful to me. Um, I was just thinking about that, but uh, yeah, in general, going to artist residencies, I mean, it depends on the, the, which one you're at. When I was at Wasaic, it was a wonderful time. I was also teaching when I was there, which was really cool because it was a way to um, like engage with the larger community. Um, so I was working in, uh, I was partnered with an elementary school teacher who taught at two different schools. And so I got to like go into these local elementary schools there and be engaging with the kids there, which I also really liked. Um, and that is, I was there for three months. So Aromont will be the longest time I've been an artist in residence somewhere. And I think that's really special, um, not only as a gift of a year of time, right? You know, you don't have these kind of transition in and out of your life pressures. You can really like go there, set a life for yourself for a year. But also for me, because I have certain health problems, I have done a lot of like how to restructure my life, how to reconsider it. And for me going to residencies, I can basically only go to ones that are a year because I can't be like bouncing in and out of things. So I think that's a huge gift. And um, I don't even know where to start with like what I'm looking forward to because I'm looking forward to so many things. <laughs> um, probably uh, this is no small uh, one, but I'm really looking forward to a mild Tennessee winter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. You're right. It's not a small one. It's, it's one. <laughs> this winter really. I think it brought a lot of people pretty low, but uh, being in Western Massachusetts, it was a cold winter. And so I'm super looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to being in a community where people are engaged and inspired by materiality. Um, I haven't been in a community like that for a long time. And I was actually just thinking about it today um, because I don't even know, I keep saying a decade, but I'm older than that now. I actually, maybe this was a decade ago. Um, I taught for a few years at a craft program. I taught painting and drawing at a craft program for high school students in Massachusetts called Snow Farm and, you know, made some of my greatest artist friends. I was just thinking about it because I just hung up on a phone conversation with one of them. And that is something that has fed my practice so much, like to have um, intimate friendships with artists who, whose materials are very different from mine. Um, and, you know, so some of my best artist friends are metal workers or are jewelers, and they have an entirely different skill set. Um, but 
you know, we're like throwing around the same ideas. And it's such a different, like, it's so, it's, it's very different being a painter, talking out like problems in your work with somebody who isn't a painter. Um, and it can be really, really useful because they don't carry that same kind of baggage. I want to thank Lena for having this conversation and for going into topics that are, again, surprisingly deep. But, you know, it's a conversation I have a lot with artists at Aramont of what is craft and what is fine art and what are these labels that we put on things? You heard me give my idea of what that is by using um, a video rental store as my metaphor. I think that sometimes... When we describe the objects that we make, we can help our viewers understand what we want them to take from that. Uh, when Lena calls her silk uh, paintings paintings, she's inviting an audience that might know watercolor, that might know oil painting, that might know other types of media related to silk painting, but not necessarily silk painting, into her works and to be a part of that conversation. And I really enjoy that. I think we have the power as artists to be able to self-identify with what we want our works to uh, be and who do we want to have conversations with with those works. I'm going to include in the show notes some of the specific things that we talk about. So some of the residencies that Lena mentioned, but also the book series that she talked about by Xixin Liu, uh, which is a three-body problem. I'll put links to those in the show notes so that you can research those a little bit more if you're interested. And we'll continue this series with our next Artist in Residence here in a couple of weeks. So I hope we see you back here on the Aramont Podcast. Mm-hmm.